This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. This week's episode of Everything Went Black. The year is drawing to a close, and we have just a few more episodes left. And I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break to enjoy the closing of the year and reflect on 2023. It was a very interesting year. Uh, Not all good, but a lot of good, some bad. And ultimately, looking forward to 2024 for a better year. This week, my old friend Jeremy Hush joins us. I met Jeremy several decades ago, it seems, when he was traveling with the band Baroness, and through my ignorance, I was completely unaware of his incredible artistic vision. And uh, in this episode, I hope to explore some of that, his uh, creative output, his uh, Arthur Mackinesque adventures into the underworld, and things of that nature. So um, this should be an incredibly interesting episode, and uh, Jeremy is a fascinating guy. I'd also like to shout out my brothers in the Horsemen of the Podcasting Apocalypse, the ever-growing Horsemen of the Podcasting Apocalypse. Of course, I'm referring to Brandon Legion, who kicks off the week with Horror Wolf 666. Next up, we have Jackie Smith's Into the Necrosphere, the best metal-oriented extreme music podcast on the internet today. Of course, Wednesdays are Everything Went Black. Thursdays, Necro Thursday, is Necromaniacs with myself, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. Friday brings us Spitball Media, featuring Mike Scandato's brother, John Draper. Saturday is a day off. Go out, enjoy yourself. You need to get away from the internet and experience the real world. Sunday, Carl Haikara returns with Soul Knox. Carl and I are working collaboratively on the Darkness Weaves subseries, which we alternate episodes on each other's shows to discuss the work of the great Carl Edward Wagner. Our newest member, Cheyenne brings us Iblis Manifestations, and you just have to keep your eyes and ears open for a new episode because they drop in from the sky, from the void. If you like the show, I please urge you to share it with your friends. Check us out on social media. Everything went black on Instagram and Facebook, or you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. If you really want to support the show, join our Patreon. There are $1, $5, and sponsor feeds of $25 a month. You get bonus material, early access to episodes, 
and uh, nonstop fun and adventure over there. I met you over 10 years ago, man, when you were traveling with Baroness. You were uh, doing merch for them. And this is, it's got to be like maybe 13 years ago, maybe. That's the first time yeah. I remember working into you. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was forever ago. Um, we, we just saw Baroness play in Philly here the other night. And uh, man, uh, they've been together for like 23 years. And I was like, I started touring with them 20 years ago. Like, exactly. So it's been a long freaking time. Funniest thing about that is the first time I ever saw Baroness was in the the bait. We played a basement show with them in the basement of uh, North Six in Brooklyn, and on um, like there was like you know like twenty people there, and to see them now, like you know, selling out these like gigantic venues, and it's just incredible, you know. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see. Yeah, yeah. It's great, like just seeing like how many people from so far back are still running around. It's, it's just amazing. It's always good, man, because you know people, you know. So it, there's like waves of people that they they do music for a while, or they they go on the road or do whatever, <laughs> and then, you know, a couple years go by, then they just disappear, and then you run into them, and they're just completely out of it. You know, I mean, making uh, you know, sometimes like being on on the road and doing this stuff can be, you know counterproductive at times but uh but it's good to see people out there still being active you know and john john's a great guy and you know all the success in the world to that dude he's so talented hell yeah so i follow you on instagram and um you know i'm a huge fan of your artwork um you know but the main thing that grabs me is these descents into the underworld that you do and uh, all this work that you do in the caves and stuff. So how, what, what do you do, man? How did you get into all that stuff? Oh man. Uh, when I was a, when I was a kid, we used to hit like the tourist caves, like uh, they just see on along the freeway down South. And uh, years there was nothing. And then in high school, my dad retired from the Navy and we went to Tennessee and stayed there. And I started hearing rumors about caves on people's property so we just started hopping fences and running through the woods until we find these caves. And these caves are like two miles deep. They're like massive. And uh, so I got into wild caving like uh, in high school, but uh, I didn't really get into the, like the caving community until I moved to Philadelphia when I found out there was like an actual like worldwide community that does this stuff, that explores and uh, it's uh, big on conservation and all this stuff. It's, it's a pretty amazing community. And it's uh, very secretive. It, it it hides really well. It's everywhere. I had no idea that there was like uh, an active community in cave diving, a cave exploring. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild. Like um, anywhere you go, there's caves and stuff, and they're all different in different parts of the country, different parts of the world. You know, there's uh, places that people travel from across the world to America just for specific caves. It's just just incredible. It's like. Uh, it's uh, it's such a narrow scene. Not a lot of people can do that kind of stuff, and that's like one of the draws for it. And uh, is that you'll you know, there's a crowd, but it's not like a mainstream crowd ever. And you're seeing things that like so few people get to see. And there's all kinds of things down there. There's like you get into these spaces that are just like, you know, it's like it's like yeah, they're caves. They're 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 old, but they feel ancient. You know, there's like a crazy presence in some of these things. And uh, you know, and you start getting 
into this community and the more trusted you are in this community, the more important caves you get to see and stuff like, uh, you know, you've got people that are studying like, you know, like, like uh, indigenous uh, people's like remains down in caves. Like we saw like a 13,000 year old short faced bear skeleton in the back of the cave and stuff. And there's just like all kinds of crazy stuff down there. Now you see this, this uh, really um, sparks my, um, imagination uh because you know (laughs) you and i both like we're into a lot of the same kind of stuff i think as far as like you know literature and fiction and i start thinking about edgar rice burroughs and pellucidor and all these like underground kingdoms and arthur mackin and all that sort of stuff and um so did what what's like the most intense stuff you saw down there i mean it's it's like i imagine just in like complete darkness and with like illumination by like your whatever light you bring with you is that is that accurate yeah yeah i mean there's like uh there's a lot of safety measures and stuff we take so it's not really as scary as it can be intimidating and stuff because uh you know every you never go alone you're always with a group and everybody has to have like a minimum of three lights and stuff so it's like you're not gonna get stuck without a light and stuff but like uh but you get to Simi's caves and like, you know, we're, we're usually underground for an average of six hours and stuff. So it's like, you imagine like hiking for like three hours, you can't just step out of it. You got to hike all the way back, you know? So uh, that's, that could be part of it. And like, sometimes it's, it's like a obstacle course underground and some of them are easy and some of them are difficult and some of them are really fucking weird and some of them are real difficult. And it's like, you get through it and the, the harder it is to get through usually the better the payoff is afterwards. So that means fewer and fewer people go to it. And uh, it's almost like an endurance race. You know, you're like going through these places and uh, it's rare that you go into a cave that like nobody's been in. That's, that's pretty rare. It's usually caves that are pretty well explored. You know, even if they're finding new stuff in it, you're going to be going on a route that other people have already been. And you're usually with somebody who already knows the cave and stuff. But like, uh, yeah, it can be, yeah, it, it can be real intimidating to get that far back into a cave and then like, it's like, oh, you know, it's still all the way back out and stuff. But it's it's just magical places down there. It's like you have these beautiful formations and these epic scenery. Sometimes you find these rooms that are like just gigantic spaces. It's like, how can there be such a gigantic space like underground and nobody knows about it? And like, it's uh, it's such an adventure. That's that's the big thing is this is just, just like you get there and you just get so full of energy because the the adventure is so crazy now you mentioned that there's um you know the like indigenous peoples uh you know artifacts and things like that um you know and like ancient skeletons and stuff is that is all is that like a uh, a reservation sort of thing where there are like a preserve is it so people cannot take these things out of those areas like is it protected by some sort of um you know agency or something like that yeah, if it's got something like that in it, unless it was like, you know, and there's always like, you know, some farmer out there that doesn't let anybody in his cave, you know, and it turns out there's something like historically important down there. But like, if there's some kind of remains like that in it, it's heavily guarded and stuff. So it's like, you know, whether it's like a forest service <clears throat> or uh, just like, uh, uh, you know, nowadays trail cameras are like, pretty easy to come by and stuff and there's usually hidden cameras around to try and catch vandals or any kind of thing like that but um yeah if there's something important there it's probably really well guarded or it's in such a hard place to get to that it guards itself so 
Yeah. It's like when we saw that short faced bear, it was like going in there. I was like, how can this be here? If anybody can just go in here and it's like, you have to go through some shit to get to it. And when you get to it, you're like, Oh, there we go. It's like, yeah, not a lot of people are getting back here, but then it's a whole mystery of like, how did it get back here? You know, it's like 13,000 years. Like, you know, the, the landscape has changed. You know, there's, there's been upheavals, there's been floods, there's been all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's like, when did it end up here? You know, was there an entrance closer to here? And then you got to start wondering, is there an entrance close to here? Is there more tunnel that you don't know is there? It's uh, one of the big things about caving is it's like, you know, if you're climbing a mountain or something, you know when you get to the top, but in the cave, you never know when you're at the bottom of it. You never know when you're at the end of it. It could keep going. On the other side of the wall, there could be a massive cave, you know, that nobody's ever seen stuff so it's like it's just the amazing part of it that there's so much mystery involved with it It, just in the last like three months i read two short stories about uh being in ancient caves it's um i've been exploring uh i don't know if you're familiar with carl edward wagner the writer um yeah yeah just just recently i do a like a collaborative uh sub-series on this podcast uh called darkness weaves and um i guess maybe because wagner is like so obscure and unfortunately mostly most of his work is out of print i've been we've been going through his short stories and now we're in the Kane short stories and the last actually next week's episode is uh coverage of a, a short story called two two suns setting which has a lot to do with going into a cave and finding you know the crown of an ancient giant king and saber-toothed tigers and albino animals and stuff like that and uh that's why i want to talk to you because like have you ever run into any kind of like fauna like underground like some unusual like creatures or anything like that oh yeah i know especially like when it comes to like plant life like uh the funguses you find down there are like bizarre they're it's super alien land like uh, uh life down there it's like you'll have these things that's like you know, it's usually living off like, uh, you know, because caves are created by water, the path of yeah. water cutting through the through the mountain and all the way down and stuff. So it's kind of like a drain for a lot of things. And uh, so you'll find like bones and stuff down there, but usually you'll find like just like old wood and like tree limbs. And on that, like uh, any kind of organic thing, it's like you'll find this like just like spider web of like this like super white, like just like fungus that strings out all over the place. And, like uh, you'll see so many different kinds and there's... Uh, most of them, you know, that I've run into have already been studied, but people are always looking for more because there's a lot of science behind a lot of these funguses that are growing down there in total darkness and stuff. And um, but uh, yeah, we've run into we've run into lots of like you know like albino crayfish. You see them a lot and stuff. These tiny little crawdads and stuff, but they're a white and uh, lots of little fish and stuff. Uh, I haven't found, you know, I've never run anything big. There's always lots of bats and stuff. And like every cave is full of raccoons, but I've never seen one in a cave and stuff. I did run into a mountain lion in Tennessee like years ago, and that was a close call. But mountain um, lion. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Dude. Yeah, I've got a I've got a black lab German shepherd here that's about hundred pounds. It's probably about the size of that thing. <laughs> it was pretty fucking scary and stuff, but uh yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, you know, you, that's that's like life threatening, like, you know, for real. You no, know what I mean? Yeah, I was in Tennessee and they're 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 fairly rare because, you know, the, the locals, they'll, they'll shoot a mountain lion and stuff, you know, just because it's fun to shoot at or 
you know, they're scared of it, whatever. But, uh, you know, they've killed off most things around there that are fun to shoot at. But uh, this cave, like, um, I've gone back and, like, done a little bit of a survey, like, a little bit of a mapping of it. But you've got it. It's like kind of a crouchy, crawly cave, like that's an old creek bed. And it goes back 113 feet before you get to, like, the main room. And uh, right as you go in, like, uh, there's, like, a little side passage. Like, you can just see the sunlight coming in. It's a hole that's, like, just enough to, like, squeeze out and stuff. I've crawled in and out of it for fun. And, um, well, um, me and this guy took a couple of girls in there one time to go check out this cave. And I'd been there, like, a thousand times. And uh, we go in there, and as I'm going in there, it smells like something's dead. And I was like, oh, it's probably raccoons, like, dragging in dead shit or something. And uh, we're back in there for a few hours, like, climbing around in this cave. And we're coming back out, and I'm the first one coming out. And I'm basically on all fours because the ceiling's that low. And as I pull up there, I see this thing move out of the corner of my eye. And it's up by that other, that smaller hole, that smaller exit. And it's just this big patch of yellow fur. It's huge. And it just fucking shrugs its shoulder at me and just looks the other way. And, I, and I'm crouching there, and I'm like, I'm like motioning for everybody to like go behind me and stuff to get out of the cave. Because it's like, uh, if somebody's going to get mauled, it's got to be me. You know, it was my idea to go here. I got to get mauled, that kind of thing. I would hate to, for someone else to get mauled on one of my trips and stuff. But that's the closest I've ever come into something crazy like that. It, oh, I don't know what it was up with. It. Is it just lazy as shit? You know, is it already eating some raccoon or something? But, like, we got lucky that way. Yeah, I would imagine it probably had, had fed recently. Otherwise, you probably would have ended up being a meal for it you know yeah just pissed off you know like holy cow yeah that's that's like um you know it's you know most of us live in in civilization you know i mean a lot of you know, <laughs> people that uh that you know myself included definitely yeah. uh, i don't come into contact with too many wild animals but i have come into contact with wild animals and it's 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 a real trip when you are in the proximity of something that's a predator that yeah. and you it's like a completely wild thing you know what i mean and yeah. it's un unpredictable and it's like a very yeah. uh very humbling sort of feeling you know yeah it's definitely a step back in time you know like where this is a this is gonna be hand to hand and might not work out so well but yeah it's crazy but you just yeah, don't I mean, know what you're gonna find in these places so yeah. And especially with cats too, man. Cause like, you know, I, you know, I have a cat and you know, my cat's like, yeah. eight, you know, seven pounds, but my cat will fuck me up too, man. And that's like a seven yeah. pound cat. Imagine what like a, yeah. you're saying like a hundred pound, like mountain lion could do to you. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And you're on all fours, you know, you can't even stand up in this fucking space, you know, <laughs> and most of them probably got a rock to fight with, you know, like, geez. One of the things I was thinking of too is, um, just like the you, you mentioned before, how it being sort of a physical endurance kind of thing, and now having it seems like you might have less oxygen down there too. So how does that affect your like sort of aerobic abilities down under the ground like like that? Well, um, I've never had an air issue and stuff. Like if you go out in the northwest, you get caves that like have more of a gas issue where you have to take like you know like. Uh, I don't know, they have uh, they have gas meters and stuff so you can test the air. But here on the East Coast, our caves are pretty big and they all breathe pretty well and stuff. That's like it's like the temperatures between the hot and the cold keep the keep the cave literally like breathing in and out. 
and stuff. So I've never had an error issue and stuff, but like, uh, like uh, I've been in caves around here like a bunch of times, but then somebody takes a trip in there and they talk about how like the air was bad and stuff. And it's like, you never know if that's like, you know, they're underneath farms and stuff. So it could be like what they're fertilizing with, you know, right, or right. who knows what is like soaking into the earth and stuff. Like uh, one thing about the caving community is it's like, it's kind of like uh, you see the first sign of like, you know, like big catastrophe coming because it happens there first. You know, if there's something bad building up, if things are going wrong, the signs will show down there first. It's it's pretty crazy because it's just really? the natural drain. Yeah, it's the natural drain for everything and stuff. So, yeah, there's, what, there's always... What, what would be an example of that? Uh, well, they're, they're actually... They're studying uh, stalactites because uh, they they work kind of like trees. They build up in rings as they build up and stuff. And they can actually, I don't know how they do it, but they're they're studying the rings and they can tell from the way these rings are of like, uh, like uh, they're, I don't know, they can tell like what kind of storms and like what kind of like catastrophes happened at a certain era because they're hundreds and hundreds of years old. It takes like 80 to 250 years to get a cubic inch of like a stalactite and stuff. So it's like, there, there's there's a lot that they're studying through that and just like uh you could study the walls themselves because you're literally like looking through like a cut through of the mountain and stuff so you can see where things have erupted and relanded in place and been turned upright and stuff but like uh but also in caves it's like uh like especially like uh there's always a drama where there's like chemical companies are illegally dumping or something like that and that's usually a big sign and um and all of that's like our waterways that goes into everything and stuff, whether it goes into like, you know, farms and fields like that, or it goes into our aquifers and stuff. It's like, it all feeds through this, through these caves and stuff. And like, so if things start acting up down there and stuff, that's when you have to start alerting other groups about like what's going on. And so it's, it's crazy. I haven't gotten, I've haven't got a chance to really like uh, dive into the science side of it as much as I want to yet. And stuff you have to build up uh, to being like useful to get on these scientific trips more and more. So I'm working my way up for that. Sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've seen you quite a bit over the last year or so at these Cadabra Records, um, you know, sort of events. And uh, I've had Chris on the podcast a number of times. And um, oh yeah, yeah. So how did you get connected with those guys? I mean, I, I'm a I forgot how I found out about Cadabra Records, actually. I just, one day, I was on their website, and I was like, man, look at all this cool stuff. And I saw that you had done some artwork for them, and Romano, and Joe oh, Kineberger, and, you know, people that I knew. And I just started buying records, and then got to become friends with Chris, you know, and, you know, see him pretty, you know, pretty frequently. And then these events happened. So how did how did you get, get uh, connected with them? I'm trying to remember exactly how it was too. It was uh it was a number of years ago. Like um I met Jonathan and um and uh talking about these projects. And it's like I've always, you know, it's kind of the high school dream to be doing like, you know, like art for these like classic horror stories that I always loved. And uh I can't remember exactly how how we crossed paths the first time and stuff, but it was here in Philly. So <laughs> Yeah, it's it's um such an interesting uh, niche sort of thing. It's like you know vinyl only, um, 
Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that none of this stuff is digital because I think it would be really kind of selling short the creative uh, expression of the whole things. I mean, you need to look at this yeah. thing in large format, you know? Yeah, it's a whole package. Everything's done with so much care. It's like it's like the artwork, the, the all the background information and stuff, and like all the artists and musicians, the readers, everything involved and stuff. It's like it's like all really specifically handpicked and stuff. And it's just it's just a beautiful product. Yeah, a few months ago, I had John Paget on the uh, on the podcast, and that that's like. Nice. Like in some ways, he's synonymous with Thomas Ligotti. You know what I mean? It's almost like now when I read when I read a Ligotti short story, I hear John Paget's voice uh, in my head. Yes. Yeah, man. He's he's the he's the man for it and stuff. But uh, yeah, man. These it's just so nice to be a part of like uh, these projects. Like uh, like especially like um, I got to do a number of projects with, like Fabio Fritzi and stuff, and that was a huge deal because like um you know I, I grew up on those movies like the beyond and zombie and now i've gotten to work on the records for them and it was uh it was a huge deal because the artwork for that stuff is like they're classics it's like these classic paintings from like the 70s and 80s and stuff and it's like a really hard thing to follow and it's just it's just so cool to like see the Fabio Fritzi when he's got his merch table set up and he's got all these like old classic horror paintings and stuff from Italy and stuff and then like then I have like my records up there too and it's like holy cow it's, it's it's just hard to imagine it's real yeah that's that's the thing about those Italian films like all those Gialli that came out and the the poster art and you know the movie artwork is always these incredible paintings um you know with a lot of the use of a lot of color and that sort of thing and I'm a huge yeah, fan yeah. of all that stuff too oh yeah now is that um what is have you always been a huge horror fan like you know movies and fiction and all that sort of stuff oh yeah yeah from like really young age i always loved horror movies you know now cadabra yeah. is almost uh synonymous with uh weird fiction cosmic horror was that some of the stuff that you read earlier on it was like lovecraft and you know arthur mackin and oh, that sort of stuff yeah oh, yeah yeah it's like uh a lot of the stuff like Arthur Mack and, you know, I didn't get into until like late in the day and stuff. And like M.R. James, like it's like one of my absolute favorites. And I didn't get to that until like late in the day. It was like before I was doing like uh, cadaver stuff, but it was like, uh, you know, before, you know, I knew about Lovecraft and Edgar Allan Poe and like all the big easy ones and stuff. Um, uh, Robert Block, I always liked his stuff a lot. And uh, uh, Matheson and stuff like, oh, yeah. 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 Matheson, Matheson's like one of the, super prolific, man. I mean, he's yeah. a you know, screenwriter, um, you know, short stories, his novels, you know, of course, um, the incredible shrinking man, you know, um, mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, I am legend, you know, yeah, some man. Of the, and um, you know, most... I think it was a uh, legend of hell house. Yep. That's stuff. another great one. Yep. That's like, still like one of my favorite movies of all time. And I think that was the first thing I read is because I loved that movie so much. Uh, yeah it's just so good yeah i think the first book, matheson i read was uh, i think it was i am legend was the first thing i found years ago um oh nice yeah i think it was as a result of the uh omega man and the vincent price <laughs> i am legend uh oh, the yeah. vincent price one's incredible it's such so bleak feeling you know and bizarre it's so bizarre too it's like you know they're like zombie vampires or something it's 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 real strange 
And uh, I was raised on that Omega Man, that Charlton Heston one. I love that movie. It's like it was on TV when I was a kid all the time. I used to watch it all the time. Yeah, it's amazing. You know. You, know, you, read, you read the you read the novel. I haven't read that one. No, <laughs> no. But I'm pretty sure Vincent Price wasn't very close to it, and Charlton Heston probably wasn't either. So. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. But the the Price one is like it's like such a far out like take on the whole thing you know and, and anything with vincent price is always like I'll, I'll always check anything out with vincent price in it for sure oh, of course of course yeah so your involvement with uh the convent down in philly i'm not that familiar with what that is i just keep seeing stuff ha going on down there so you want to break that down for me yeah that was that's um that's our gallery here in uh philadelphia uh up in the Northeast, like uh, some friends of ours bought this old convent years ago. And uh, it was right when we needed to move to a new place and it had been abandoned for a couple of years. So I talked to them into letting me and Sophie move in, you know, it was like, we'll work the bugs out for you and stuff. And uh, a dozen nuns used to live here. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty massive space, but it has like a whole chapel on the front of the building with like stained glass windows and stuff. And uh, it's only made for a dozen nuns, so it's not some big epic church and stuff, but it's a really nice gallery space. And then it has like a couple of side rooms, a part of the gallery. And uh, it has like a whole enclosed event area of the building and stuff. And uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty nice. We did, we've done a lot of shows in here for, uh, uh, for about five years and then like COVID hit. So, it's been about three years since we had an event and then we just had one this past Saturday. So that was like our first event back open. And so next year we'll start doing events again on a regular basis. But uh, it's See, been a while. Yeah. Uh, what was the event that just happened? Oh yeah. It was, uh, there, there's some uh, local Philadelphia people that like uh, make homemade like slasher films and like horror movies and stuff. So it's like, I was like, all right, I want to try and do some of that. So like uh, we were talking to them about doing a viewing here. They'd done it at like Philomoca and stuff. And it was like a, a corpse for Christmas. And since it's coming up on Christmas time, they wanted to do a holiday event and stuff. So we had like a screening here and uh, we can seat 40 people in there. And uh, we have like a whole like screen and projector system and stuff and sound system. So it was, it was a nice like little theater and it was like packed to the gills. And uh, a really fun night. And it's like the the whole cast and crew are, are all artists and stuff. So we did a art show with all of them in the room and then did a viewing of the movie. Just had like a big hangout night. It was great. Man, I would totally have gone to something like that if I'd have known about it. Because I, I mean, actually, this past Saturday, I was in um, Asbury Park for a Krampus Festival during the day. Oh, and nice. uh it, it was like it would have been like a 40 minute drive or if probably not even to get down to philly to check that out how, how would i find out about these things is there like just on, on instagram like you know keep your eyes out that sort of yeah. thing yeah Inst instagram's our most used thing and facebook as well and stuff but mostly instagram's what we've been doing and um yeah like we have an email list but it's been like three years so it's like getting that up and running again circulating and uh Cause yeah, like with COVID, like it was hard to tell what was going to come up next. You know, it's like, are we ever going to have events again? And like, <laughs> you know, is there ever going to be a gathering? You know, so there was some unsure times for a while there. So it's, so it's nice to get back to it, have people over. And, uh, yeah, man. 
it was nice. Like um, we've done, well, uh, one of the, one of the first things we did here is we had a uh, David J from Bauhaus. He's played here three times and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Three times. That was like one of our earliest events that we ever did here. And uh, we don't usually do too many bands and stuff, but like we've done like music videos and uh, yeah, lots of band photo shoots and stuff here. It's, it's a pretty wild space. Like it, you know, it's it's a church, but it's ours, so we get to do fun stuff with it. I've never been there, man. I can, I need to keep uh, keep my eyes open and check out the next uh, next thing that goes on down there next year. Yeah, man. Yeah, you should just stop by because, like, uh, you know, like uh, we we tell the public it's it's by appointment only, except for on opening nights and stuff, because we also live here. So, but uh, but yeah, if you're ever around town, you just gotta swing by. I mean, ideally, there'd be something cool going on that I could check out too, you know, besides yeah, and just chilling, yeah. you know. But definitely, I mean, oh yeah, it just seems like that that last thing you mentioned with the with the slasher films that's like so completely right up my alley. I would have really loved to <laughs> check that out. Yeah, man, it's pretty wild. That's like I used to, uh, you know, I used to say like, you know, you're rich when you have like your home theater. Like that's like the sign for me of like when you've made it. And, like so, we have a total home theater in here now in the gallery. It's fucking epic. <laughs> we still a lot of movie nights here it's a lot of fun um so now with your artwork uh you know how did you get in is that has that been a lifelong pursuit for you because obviously you know i'm a, like i'm a huge fan and the pieces that you've done are incredible so what got you interested in art do you have like a like a background in um in fine art or anything like that yeah man i've been, I've been drawn since like since super early on and uh it was always just my one constant thing and stuff it's like uh, i was a real fidgety kid so like sitting down and drawing is like what i did you know it was like eight hours of school a day i was just doodling and drawing and stuff and it was a uh, just the one constant thing it's like i went to art school in savannah and stuff but like uh yeah, it's like I went there, tried new things, and mostly came out of it wanting to do like what I'd already been doing, the way I'd been doing it and stuff. And yeah, man, it's it's been my one constant. Yeah, most people I know that go that have gone to art school, it's that have a similar story. It's like they go and maybe pick up some technical things, but generally it doesn't. It's what they're they've been doing already. The work they've been doing was what they just continued doing. Did you feel like you got anything out of going to art school? Maybe just on a technical level? Uh, yeah, for sure. It's like um, you know, like it's you get out of what you put into it. You know, like you know, I could definitely tried harder if I wanted to and stuff. But like uh, the best the best thing college does for you is it gets you out of your hometown and it gets you in a community like. Uh, like, especially for like art school, I was able to be into a community of other people doing art and stuff. So like you learn more from like the people you're around than you really do in the classroom. And uh, that's usually the first thing I'll tell people when they talk about wanting to go to art school. So I was like, man, go just go find other artists, you know, go hang out, you know, go to galleries and meet artists and hang out and talk to them and uh, skip all the big bills and craziness because there's, there's yeah. so much you can learn from other people. Was there a component to your... um? you know, your education that had to do with like being exposed to like, you know, like art history, like old, older stuff that you may or may not have gotten into, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, for sure. But like, uh, for the most part, like, uh, 
when I was younger, like I didn't, it was the opposite. The old stuff was what was easy to find and uh, contemporary artists weren't, weren't so easy to find and stuff. Like I was, I was always a big Bosch fan and an Albert Durer fan. Those were like always like huge influences for me, but you can find them anywhere. And like, I had like, a, you know, most of my influences came from like comics and, and uh, like D and D books. Oh, nice. Like those were, those were things I could more relate to. I was like, I remember having like a Boris Vallejo book, but it's like, oh, I, man. Couldn't com- I couldn't comprehend that stuff. I was like how he does that. And, you know, now it makes sense. Like I know how a lot of those realists work and stuff, and, but it's just, uh, yeah. Like I always loved like the big classics, but like it was really comics and all that kind of stuff that really hit home and like really what focused on that. Up from- one of the things I picked up from you guys was a uh, like a D and D like illustration book at the uh, that Nightlands Festival. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah the Necrastic cool. Beast. Yeah, man, yeah. that was a uh, that was uh, our big COVID project. So, uh, I was talking with uh, Jonica Stuckey. He's like an a uh, an occult writer and stuff, and he was talking about how like you know like we might be out of work and we don't know how long. And it's like we should try and do something. So like. Uh, we got together like a handful of this, like uh, star suggesting artists. Like we got Joe Kineberger in there and uh, our friend Ellie Gill and uh, Nathan Reed. And the uh, five of us just started talking about doing this basically like a Dungeons and Dragons bestiary book and um, did a whole Kickstarter for it. And uh, it did really well. It did better than we expected. And it just the Kickstarter, like it, it kept going up and up in budget. So the book got nicer and nicer. Suddenly we had like fabric covers and, you know, we got guest artists and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a huge thing. It was like, we didn't know how it was going to go and stuff like, so it's like, Oh, here's this thing. It's like the world's like kind of going to hell. And it's like, will anyone even be interested in this kind of thing right now? Is it bad taste? And like, it did really well. And uh, we got a, uh, uh Skinner to do like a guest piece in there and Eric Roper, both those artists were like two like big favorites of mine and stuff. And it was just amazing to get to make just monsters. You know, there's nothing more fun than just drawing straight monsters. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I enjoyed that, man. That's one, one of the many things I picked up that weekend was that book. Uh, I got the tarot deck that you did. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. A bunch of stuff, you know, Romano's, some of Romano's work I picked up. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And then a bunch of just like books, like there's, you know, Hippocampus Press was there and records and things oh, yeah. like that. I, I had yeah, a budget yeah. for that weekend, but I completely <laughs> blew that budget within the first day, you know? Yeah, I believe it. Okay. Yeah, as far as comics go, oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. I, didn't mean to cut you oh, off. I was just about to say that cadaver event, like it had so many artists and writers there with their stuff. Like it, it was a big spending weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely. What uh, what comics were you into? You ever uh, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a old old school like comics fan. Like for me, you know, I was like really into the Conan stuff and Barry Windsor Smith and you know, P. Craig oh, Russell yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, man. Yeah, big time. Like Conan was like the first comic I ever like collected like consecutively. But um, yeah, I really liked like all the old like like uh, like it was like Conan and it was horror stuff. That was basically what I was really liked like a lot of dark horse comics and stuff like had like all the alien shorts. Those were really good. And the predator shorts. Um, it's like, a they had a lot of oddball stuff. Dark horse did. 
then a lot of old EC comics and um, a lot of these like kind of like lesser known like horror comics that were more of the magazine size but they were like way out of date and stuff like I still try and pick those up whenever I find them but like yeah like all that old like Conan stuff with like Barry Winter Smith, Ernie Chan and a bunch of those guys were like epic good are you referring to uh, eerie and creepy when you talk to those magazine size uh, comics? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, those there's are a, those are some of my favorites ever, dude. I love those. Yeah, most comic shops have some box like collecting a ton of dust, and it's full of those magazine size like horror comics. I love them, so good. Yeah, Warren Publishing, man. They they had um, oh, yeah, they, they Vampirella, that eerie, that creepy. They had uh they had like a uh, um it was kind of like heavy metal but it was all black and white newsprint and it was um mm -hmm. their adult sci-fi uh, com uh comic book magazine it was called 1999 oh no wait first it was called 1984 right because that was the future yeah. from, from the 70s you know from the 70s 1984 is the future right yeah and then when 1984 came they they renamed it 1999 because that was like so far off into the future that by 1999, like everyone was going to be like riding around with a jetpack and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like 2024, you know? So, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, I love that stuff. Like, I think it was, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but there was one that, that's where like Judge Dredd comes from. Was oh, like 2018. 2080. Okay, that's what I was mixing up with that. It's like yeah. that's another one that was just like kind of this off to the side, a little more like horrific and brutal comics and stuff. It was so good. Yeah, that was um Rogue Rogue Trooper, uh Strontium Dog, like all those like they're like sci-fi, but with like a very horror horror oriented like element to it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the fucking best. I love it when sci-fi is a little more on the horror side. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. Like do less the communion stuff and more of you know the the alien serious oh, yeah. stuff you know. Yeah, the, funny thing about, the funny thing about Judge Dredd is like you know the way the way that they portrayed it like in you know 2000 AD he was like the kind of the bad guy like he was like this like super right wing like it would, the oh, yeah. the stories were like a commentary on like fascism in a lot of ways you know what I mean rather than yeah yeah and police fascism. culture itself yeah yeah, yeah man. And that kind of got lost in translation, I think, when they started making films out of it and people started looking back on it. Oh, yeah. That's how it always goes. It's like, oh, let's not make the police the bad guy and stuff. It's uh, cop copaganda, I think is what they call it. Copaganda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So as far as um, like people buying artwork of yours online uh, and finding you you know, to follow you and figure out what's going on. What What's your, uh, what's your handle? It's like on social media or websites, like, you know, how can people like, catch up with you? Uh, if you just uh, put in Jeremy Hush, I'll come up on most things, but uh, it's mostly like, uh, it's mostly Instagram is the main thing I use and a little bit of Facebook and stuff, but that's, that's my main thing. You can find everything there. Yeah, I pretty much gave up on Facebook, man. The only, I mean, I, I exist on that, but I never really use it except for posting stuff for the band or for, you know, the podcast, things like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not something I'm really on too much. It's mostly posts from Instagram onto there, so. 
Yeah, no, I'm lazy that way too, man. I, you know, yeah, try to yeah. minimize that. But yeah, yeah. Well, thanks a lot, man. It's um, it. it is uh, now. Do you have you also have an online store? Because there's stuff you can buy, like if you want to buy prints and things like that. Yeah, that's uh, just JeremyHush.com. And then they can, you can get to the store. Okay, great. Yeah, because yeah. uh, right. you know the holidays are coming up, and uh, this is one of the final final episodes of 2023 before we hit uh, you know Christmas and New Year's. So uh, anyone out there who wants to give a gift to a loved one, uh, definitely check out some of this artwork. It'd be a nice gift. You know what I mean? Heck yeah! All right, Jeremy. Thanks a lot, man. And um, you know, have a great holiday, and I'll catch up to you soon. Yeah, thanks so much, man. See you later. You got it, Jeremy. Take care. Bye.